This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. This is our fourth week, our final week in a series that I've called Carpe Diem. How many of you have enjoyed this little series? Have you? I know I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been fun. Uh, I've had a blast teaching it. And we're just talking about making the most of the moment, seizing the moment, seizing the day, uh, maximizing the opportunities at hand. And we've had a fun month right here in the middle of the summer, month of June. Uh, so much stuff going on with those video announcements. My goodness, we've got ladies retreat. We've got, but I'm so disappointed that the dove hunt did not make the video announcements. We could have had so cool of footage. I'm, we want video at this year's dove hunt for a recap video. Would that not be the bomb to have a recap video of a dove hunt? Just all right. All the guys that got signed up last week, thank you. It was a huge sign up. We have a big crew going, and there's a few spots left. Even though the sign up sheet in the foyer shows that it's full, uh, we're going to go ahead and let you just write your names underneath that completed list. And we'll make sure that we have room for you, okay? So get signed up for that. Carpe diem. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Let's look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Here's a powerful two words put together. Through him. Everyone say, through him. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, this morning, I'm going to preach real good because I'm going to preach real short. Long and good, that's not a good sermon. It's long. Did you just say yes it is? Wow. Repent thee, I say unto thee. I'm just playing, Karen. Short and a bad sermon, that's not a good sermon because it's bad. But I'm just, I'm going to practice faith and I'm going to believe I'm going to preach real good. And real short. How many of you can handle a good, short sermon? Is that a good deal? All right. So, um, the better you help me preach, the better I preach and the shorter I preach today. So, uh, boy, listen to the stirring. Listen to the stirring. But before we just completely dive into the sermon, I want to read you a few more scriptures. This is kind of odd for me to do this at this point in the, in the, in the sermon time. But I want to read a few more scriptures just to kind of make sure that we're all thinking clearly and considering why we came to Jesus Christ in the first place. 
I think in our culture, we have a tendency to make the mistake sometimes that we come to Jesus to get our life here better. I've seen it time and time and time again. When people are having hardships in this life, they come to Jesus. When there's tragedy in the country, churches are full. When there's concern and worry about uh, our current conditions in life, people respond to God. And while that is definitely a part of serving the Lord, the ultimate reason we come to Jesus Christ, the main purpose of seizing the day and maximizing the moment is for our salvation, for our eternal security. So this morning, I want you to turn into the book of Revelation. Just turn right from the book of Romans, a few books, to the final uh, writing in the New Testament. I want you to look at chapter 3. And then if you would like to jump ahead, you can find chapter 21. But chapter 3 of Revelation, I want to read a, a verse to you. And I want you to look at verse 21. Chapter 3 and verse 21. And then we're going to look at chapter 21 before we jump into this sermon. Revelation 3, verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Jesus has overcome the world. Can I have an amen? The Bible tells us that he's overcome the world, but now we see a charge to you and to myself for us to also overcome. We must overcome. But I'm going to show you today that it's not based or nor does it hinge on your performance. It hinges solely on your faith. Can I have an amen this morning? Now flip over to Revelation 21, and then we'll, be, we'll, we'll jump into our sermon time. Revelation 21, this is why we started with Jesus, and then there are possibly those here today. This is really the sermon that you need to hear to make your decision to follow Jesus. You don't want to come to Jesus for stuff in this world, because that's a lie. TV preacher, or, or at least the characterization of that, type of, uh, of that type of approach to the gospel. It gives the true gospel a poor name because people think if I come to Jesus, I get money in the mailbox. If I come to Jesus, I'll always be protected from any harm. If I come to Jesus, my life will be perfect. And there is to a degree blessings from God in this life, but that doesn't necessarily uh, come to you just because you come to Jesus. What you get from coming to the Lord is Revelation 21. And John the Revelator said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4. And no matter your age, no matter if it's one of our AO students, 
or one of the elders of the church, this should bless you so good to be reminded of what's to come for the man or the woman or the student that carpe diems, that seizes the moment of the gospel. John said, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Neither shall there be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha, I'm Omega the beginning and the end. And I will, check this out, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And verse seven is our closing verse. And boy, should you ever underline it. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Today, I want to I wanna have a little fun starting this sermon out. Uh, as usual, I just kind of like to keep it enjoyable for us and I want to start things out with my subtopic my subtopic is we are the champions everybody say we are the champions you probably know where I'm going 1977 the British rock band queen (laughs) yeah few people are getting it few people are leaning over to their neighbor we are the champions we are the champions you know what's so funny the first service I was like 1977 the band queen and it literally happened it literally happened oh (laughs) we are the champions of the world this service there's a lot of people that have no idea who queen is but all of us in this service have heard at some point we are the Yeah, come on, we can sing it in this service. Let's do it. We can get away with it. Champions, no time for losers. All the champions of the world. Dude, come on, somebody. Let's just do it again. We are the Come on, sing it like you feel it. Here, I'll be Jed. Yeah. Hold it, hold it, hold it. All right, close it. Of the world. Yeah, give it up for yourselves. All right, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, seven o'clock. I told you it was gonna be short and good. Man, I love that song. Do you not just want to go fist fight somebody right now? <laughs> it's like, I dare you to say something to me right now. <clears throat> Man, the song is so loved and appreciated, but it never made number one song on the charts. But you can't forget it. It's in your head. You'll be singing this the rest of the week. I have totally jacked you up. You're ruined. You're going to be like, Eating a hamburger, we are the champions. You love the song. What my goal is today for a very short sermon, I don't need two points, three points, four points. Pastor Anthony and I went to the same uh, Bible school. We We don't need points today. I'm preaching one point. 
I'm going to drive this point into your heart so deep that you're going to remember it like you remember that song. Because our issue is we remember that song more than we remember Scripture. And the Scriptures tell me, I don't need Queen to tell me, the Scriptures tell me that I am more than a conqueror through Jesus. But yet I have to play a song like we are the champions to make myself feel like I can overcome. But Jesus has already paid the ultimate price for my victory. All the pressure's off me, John. All of it's off me. I don't have to worry about a thing. And when things get tough and when things get hard and when I get beat up and beat down, Sister Carol, I get all shook up thinking I've got to do something different, right? When I don't, all I have to do is start living what I should be believing and believing of the Word of God. Everybody say, I am more than a conqueror. That's right, man. You're more than a conqueror. You're not a loser. You're not defeated. And I'm not talking about pop psychology trying to make you feel good about yourself because that's not what the scripture says. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. That's the big difference in positive thinking and Jesus. You can't be more than a conqueror without a good, queen, hard, loud song, We Are the Champions. You can't do it. But what you can do is have victory through Jesus that has loved you. Somebody clap your hands this morning to the Lord. These three words, more than conquerors, in the Greek, they really take it up a notch more than what you and I could ever imagine. It really means more than just a win. You can win so much so that you've got success left over. It's hyper-conqueror. It's, it's, it's conqueror on steroids. You didn't just put a win in the win column of the scoreboard. You, put, you ran up the scoreboard. Can I get an amen, somebody? And if you don't understand what I mean, you probably had it ran up on you at some point in your life. When you run up the scoreboard, it's like we're up 21 nothing, but we're going to go up 28 nothing. We're up 28 nothing, but my, when this game's over, we're going to win 88 to nothing. And you just keep running it up, running it up, because you just want to demoralize your opponent. You want to drive them in the ground. We are the ch- You just want to destroy them. Don't say anything to me right now. The thing is, That's what Jesus has done for you. He has already absolutely conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's conquered it. There's not one single thing that can come into your life that he's not already conquered. But here's what the enemy does. The enemy wants to bark. The enemy wants to heckle. The enemy wants to murmur and make you think that there's a little chance that he's still in the game. But ladies and gentlemen, when the cross of Jesus Christ was completed, the body of Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb. But on that Easter morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was as real then as it is today. There is no hope left in sin. Sin is defeated. And what sin has done in your life, it too can be erased by the very blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to say it out loud. I am more than a conqueror. 
through Jesus. Somebody say amen today. Here's the struggle though. Here's where we get the disconnect. We don't feel like it most of the time. I'm preaching in an 11 o'clock service that there are men and women sitting in the room saying, man, it's so cool that all these other people can say man and clap their hands and sing a little crazy queen song. But that's not my world. My world's crumbling. I'm swimming in debt. I'm fighting cancer. The one I've got my arm around, arm around, we're thinking about filing divorce. We're putting on a show right now in front of the whole church that we've got it all good. We don't have it all good. The reality is there's a lot of people in this room that you don't feel like you're a champion. You don't feel like you're a conqueror. You don't feel like you're winning. You feel like you're losing more than winning. You feel like you have failed time and time and time and time again. Here's the problem with that. You can't afford to live by your feelings. And you can't base your relationship with God on the reality of your real life circumstances. You know what we had happen today in this first service? We baptized two special needs children. What you don't know is that family has four in its family. Having one autistic child, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Having four, but you know what we did today? We proved to the enemy that life in Jesus is not about circumstantial blessing. It's about where you are with Jesus. Check it out now. Check this out. There's not a person in the room that's got it perfect. And where we make the mistake is we start adding up our issues versus their issues and we start trying to jockey for position. Well, they make this much money. I make this much money. Well, their marriage is this good. Ours is this good. They live in that house. We live in this house. They've been to church that long. We've only been church in this long. And all of a sudden, we're looking at our circumstances wondering where does all this fit? We start ranking ourselves. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm this. Oh, really? Well, I'm this. Where do you live? Well, we live over there. Oh, really? Well, we live over over here and all of that is a work of the enemy to make you think that you're never going to advance that you're never going to get better that you're never going to step higher and the truth of the matter is you did not come to Jesus to make more money you did not come to Jesus to have a healthy baby you did not come to Jesus to, 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 to have a bigger home and I know this is straightforward preaching, but you got to get back to why people come to Jesus. Why is there a preacher? Preachers don't preach to get people raises at their job. Preachers to preach to keep people from going to hell and to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus that paid the price for my eternal salvation that one day I'll be in a place that there's no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. But while I'm here on this earth, I'm not immune to issues. And my issues will remind me every single day, man, you, you should just, man, well, I don't even know why you're trying. I don't even know why you're working. I don't even know why you're making an effort. You can look those issues in the eye and say issues are gonna come and go, but I'm more than a conqueror when it comes to my salvation in Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, clap your hands to the Lord. We have to start living as we're believing. And we must be believing the word of God. 
So therefore, if we put those together, we need to start living as the word of God proclaims we are. And what does the Bible say we are? The Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror. So therefore, I need to bring my lifestyle in alignment with the word of God. I need to walk like a champion, talk like a champion, think like a champion. Even though my circumstances don't look like it, I need to start living like it. Let me tell you a good story. Uh, 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 one of the pastors that, that I love so much up in the Northeast, he, he, he tells this story. It's just so funny to me, and I love it. I love this. So Pastor Mike's at the, at the airport with his wife, and they're, and they're sitting in the, in, the, uh, in the terminal area waiting for their, their flight, and the little lady comes on the speaker like we've all heard uh, them say, and she says, now boarding, uh, flight to Dallas, 1820, first class. Well, out of nowhere, he stands up. He's never flown first class in his life. And Pastor Mike stands up and his wife says, you better sit down. What are you doing? He says, they call for first class. She goes, we're not flying first class. I know. I just want to feel like I am. (laughs) So he gets his little bag. He walks up. She she says, sit down, Mike. And he's like, no, 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 no. I just want to. Everybody else feels that. I want to feel like that. Look at them. They got, man, look at these people. Man, I want to be like that. And she said, but you ain't flying first class. And he says, just leave me alone. Sit down. He literally walks up and gets in line with all the first class people. And the lady comes to him. She goes, sir, are you first class? And he says, mm-mm. And she says, then why are you in line? Pastor Mike said, because one day I want to be here and I just kind of want to practice and get ready for it because I'm going to be in first class. I got to know how to act because, you know, I think they serve food in first class and not just peanuts, you know. I'm, I'm, I, and she said, man, that is so funny. And she literally says, you just said that to the right person. I've got a seat for you in first class. <laughs> now, here's the best part. Hey, here's the best part. Pastor Mike looks back and says, sit down in your coach. Sit, talking to his wife. He says, I'm going to first class. <laughs> hey, man, she should have went with him. Don't you, know, don't you know he sat there with his little china plate when she come in going, you want a bite? Hey, let me tell you something. You may not feel like a conqueror. You may not feel like you're on top of the world, but you got to get yourself up, put your best clothes on, dress right, walk right, talk right, because it's not about your circumstances here and now. It's you're a child of God. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Man, somebody ought to hashtag first class right now, just first class. Man, that is awesome. I think I'm even going to start. I'm going I'm to I'm find out on Amazon. I'm going to buy me like one of them Mercedes ball caps they give you when you buy a Mercedes. I'm going to get me one of them ball caps that have Mercedes. I'm going I'm to I'm get all decked out, man, just because I'm ready for it, you know. You with me, Jared? You with me? You awake back there, Jared? We're flying first class somewhere in our lives. Me and you are going to fly first class together. And Stacy's going to pay for it. That's right. Everybody say, I am more than a conqueror. Do you believe it? Are you convinced of it? Do you buy that truth? 
Are you going to sell it? No, no, no. We're going to buy that truth and we're going to sell it not. We're going to drink the Kool-Aid, man. We're going to buy into the gospel. The Bible tells me that through Jesus, I'm victorious. Now I've got to bring myself into alignment and start living what I'm believing. Believing the word of God. Not what the world tells me. Not how my body's feeling. Not what the reality is. And real faith is not blind faith, by the way. Blind faith is put your head in the sand and act like nothing's wrong. Real faith is, this is my real problems that I'm dealing with, but I'm going to put Jesus right in the middle of it because through him, I can overcome this. And you know what the scriptures say in Revelation. He that overcomes, Johnny and Leanne, shall inherit all things. He's already overcome the world. Now I must overcome my world. And what my world is, it's broken, it's fractured, it's troubled, it's chaos, it's turmoil, it's sin. So therefore, I've got to overcome through Jesus. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, good God, that's some good preaching, man. This world will give you some setbacks in it. Boy, once you think you're getting ahead, take a couple steps ahead, you think you're feeling better physically, and then you get a report. You've been going to counseling, you think your marriage is improving, and then you find out some more information. You think you and your kids are doing better, you get a couple months under your belt, and then that conversation went that way. This world, boy, to set you back. But you know, T.F., Tenny's son, Tommy, wrote a great book about the ultimate comeback. You can't have a comeback unless you've ever had a setback. There is no resurrection without a crucifixion. You don't celebrate Easter unless you celebrate Good Friday. And Tony Campala, one of the great preachers of America, made it famous. Not sure if he's the first one that said it, but he's the one that I came to know it. It may be Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. It may be the dark hour, but the sun's going to rise. Heather, are you listening to Pastor Tommy? It may be dark right now, but hang in there. The sun will rise again. It's a setback. You've been set back. You don't deny it. You don't ignore it. You don't, you don't avoid it. You've been set back. But your setback is a setup for a comeback. And if you could just hang in there long enough and trust these things, you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. But then you also have to trust these things further on into verse 38. You have to be persuaded. You have to be convinced that neither anything, nay, none of these things are going to separate me from the love of God. God is in your corner. Even in the darkest of the corners, he's in your corner. You've just got to be willing to get your, get your boots on, pull your shorts up and head out of the corner and tackle life. Because he's got this. You've got this. You've got to seize this moment. You can't let this moment be your defining moment of failure. You've got to let this moment be your defining moment of victory. Someone clap your hands to the Lord. All right. If it's going to be a good sermon, it's got to be a short one. So i got to come to a close. Pastor Dustin done ruined everything for me. Let the man preach Wednesday night, and he preached 20 minutes. Ruined it up for me forever. Now, if I preach 21 minutes, I'm long-winded. <laughs> Last time the boy's going to preach, 
Unbelievable. Nothing good can be said in 20 minutes, Dustin. You got to start preaching 45 minutes. You got to stretch people out to their max, man. You know, what, you know what Pastor Ron told me on the phone? He said, oh, everything he said was good. He just says it so fast. <laughs> 20 minutes, man. Makes me look old and slow. All right. Let me give you two more things now. I'll hush. We're so against being prideful because we've been, we've been taught this, whether it's been through our Christian faith or whether it's been through good parenting. Pride is a bad thing, and we all could say amen. Unfortunately, though, when it comes to the things of God, we avoid the pride issue so much, Mark, that we buy into false humility. Pride is believing something about yourself that's not true. Having a little swag that you ain't got. A little pride. But false humility is not believing something about yourself that is true. And what's true about you is that you're more than a conqueror. But to not be prideful, we take that low road and say, oh, I just hope I get through. Pray for me, brother. We're going through a hard time. I just pray that we can get through. Well, I understand you don't want to be that guy that says, I ain't going through anything. There's a difference in that and saying, I'm going through some stuff, but I'm so glad that Jesus is out there ahead of me. He's already preparing the way for me. I'm so glad that Holy Ghost is behind me, around me, beneath me, above me, protecting me and keeping me while I go through. But while I go through, I understand that I'm coming through and it's going to be a part of my history, a part of my past. It's going to be another chapter in my book. Why? Because I'm more than a conqueror. This battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. And the battle's already been declared as a victory. I've read, as the old preacher said, I've read the back of the book. Have you ever, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever started a good book and you just want to get to the back? Well, I'm going to ruin it. Spoiler alert, the back of the book is you win. The back of the book is you get to go to glory. The back of the book is you're saved and sanctified because of what Jesus has done. So in other words, throw the best you got at me. It's gonna, it may hurt. It may sting. But it's not going to defeat me because of what Jesus has done. Let me close with this, and I'll be done. I'll pray over you. The story is in the year 1901 that the great United States federal judge, John Bruce, on his deathbed, the story is told that John Bruce on his deathbed, feeble in his body, very weak, asked his daughter to bring him his Bible. His daughter brought him his Bible, Sam, and with weakness in his limbs, he asked her, would you please take my hand, turn to Romans chapter number 8, take my hand and place my finger on Romans 8 and verse 38. And his daughter, unclear of Really, the point of this obeyed her dying father's wish, and she literally drags that limp, weak hand and drops it on Romans 8, takes his finger, and places it right there on verse 38. And in it, few of his last breaths, Trent Bow, the honorable judge, said, For I am. 
persuaded. I am convinced. I am persuaded that neither death, that neither life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers of things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Before Queen ever wrote the lyrics, I got a feeling the old judge went to heaven declaring that he was a champion. He didn't have to have a theme song. He didn't have to have it blaring loud to get him worked up and motivated. He just simply was convinced. He bought the truth of the word of God and he settled it in his heart, Karen. I am persuaded. Have you been persuaded? Have you been convinced? Has the hook been set in your heart that nothing in this temporal life can separate you from the love of God. So just shake that stuff off and get yourself focused on the love of God and realize that you're a conqueror. You're victorious. You win. You win in the end. So no matter how dark or hard or, or, or troublesome it might be, Dan and Candy, the McLean family wins. Justin Andrews, you hear me, you win. To the Davis family, you win. Dylan and Crystal, no matter how ugly it gets, you win. And I can go room or pew by pew. I can go from this building to that building to every single one of you in this house. Seize this moment. Settle the issue once and for all. You can't control this world and how good or bad your day is going to go. Some of you won't have a flat for a year. Some of you will have four by Wednesday. God forbid it won't be me. But if it is, it is. The thing is, it's not about that. Because when all the dust settles, I win. Jesus has paid the price. You're looking at a champion through Jesus. Why don't you stand? Bow your heads quickly. Close your eyes. Respect the one next to you. It's a unique altar call. I'm not going to, oh, uh, I shouldn't have said altar call. I'm not going to open up the altar. It's a unique appeal, what I'm about to make. I'm about to ask you a question. Kind of unique. A little bit different. If you feel like your tank is empty because you've been trying your best to win on your own. What I'm about to pray over you is this simple prayer that you'll put down your tool bag, you'll put down your arsenal, you'll stop trying to do it yourself. And you will let Jesus give you the victory that he is already in possession of. Jesus is never going to fight the enemy again. He doesn't have to go today and fight your battle. That's already been settled. All you have to do is be a recipient of the gift of victory. If you're ready to lay yourself down and take on the righteousness of Jesus, lift your hand. I want to pray over you. It's a simple little one-point sermon. 
preached in a very different way. But some of your hearts have been moved. And you're ready. You're ready to go to that next place with Jesus. I see your hands lifted up all over this room. Every single one of you are lifting your hands for different reasons. Very unique to just you and your life. Possibly your family. Some of you, it took a lot of faith to lift your hand. Others of you, you had it first. You were just quick to lift it. But for you, I pray this for you today. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus that I pray for this man and this woman, this couple, this family. While their needs represent diversity, their hearts represent unity because we're all here for the same reason. We're tired of fighting it. We're tired of struggling. We're tired of trying to figure out how to win. We thought it was more money. We thought it was more stuff. We thought it was a different relationship. We thought it was something we could buy or earn. But by the word of God, I see I have nothing to do with it. The victory has already been declared. I bring myself under the covering of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I lay myself down. I admit my wrongs. I confess my sins. And I open up like a brand new clean vessel and allow you to pour yourself into me. I receive you today, Jesus. Possibly for the first time or possibly for the multitude of times even today again. I receive you. I receive you. Become my God and give me the strength to overcome as you have overcome. I receive as I inherit all things, all blessings and goodness from heaven. Thank you. By faith, I receive in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen.